Hello, and welcome to another edition of the PCOS Diva podcast. This is your host, Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And today we're going to be talking about a lifestyle aspect of PCOS that we rarely hear about in the doctor's office. Uh, I hear from so many women uh, every day and you know about their experience going to the doctor and certainly it was mine when we go we're told to you know lose the weight go on a low carb diet start exercising more you were given a prescription for metformin and the birth control pill and kind of sent on our way but there's a really important aspect of managing our PCOS that I think we need to I know that we need to learn more about and that is stress Stress really wreaks havoc on our hormones and on our PCOS and can really increase our PCOS symptoms. So today we are talking to Dr. Shauna Daru, and she is a licensed and registered naturopathic doctor. So she's going to share some of her tips about controlling stress and really give us a good background about how stress affects our PCOS. So welcome, Shauna. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let me just tell our listeners a little bit more about your background. You graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine at the top of your class, and you were the recipient of the prestigious Governor's Medal of Excellence. Naturopathic medicine is actually your second career after being in um, engineering. You studied engineering chemistry from Queen's University, but now you use your analytical brain and problem-solving skills, especially in the complicated arena of hormonal health and in solving women's health puzzles. So welcome. So glad that you're going to be here and kind of sharing your knowledge about hormone health and stress. Great. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I mean, my um, one of the things that I've learned through the years of practice is that our hormonal systems are all connected together. And I think that's where my engineering bra- background comes in handy, is that I'm old, able to um, to grasp the interconnection rather than looking at things one, one piece at a time. Yeah, I mean, and everything is on a cellular level. I mean, we're all, it all is connected. And um, I think... Maybe you could kind of explain how stress hormones like cortisol mm-hmm. um, kind of interplays with the hormones that we hear about that are associated with PCOS, the um, the progesterone and um, testosterone and estrogen and thyroid hormone. Kind of how does sure. those hormones um, all interact? Sure. So. Um when our bodies are under a prolonged period of high stress, our stress hormones go up, and that's um, hormones like cortisol for prolonged periods of stress, adrenaline for short bursts of stress, and they interact with the function of um, your ovaries, the function of your um, your thyroid, your pancreas. Um, so in terms of PCOS, what we find is that um, there's an expression that says cortisol steals progesterone, so we end up with um, lower progesterone levels. If there's lower progesterone, it could be that there's not, there's, you're not ovulating or that your, 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 the phase after ovulation called the luteal phase becomes shorter, less strong, so there's more PMS. 
Um, stress definitely affects blood sugar regulation, and as I'm sure most of your listeners are aware, um, there's a, a huge, you know, a huge component of, of most cases of PCOS with blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance, and prolonged high cortisol levels can make that regulation more difficult. So it's like it compounds the effect of high cortisol. So with most women, when they're under a prolonged period of stress, they will, you know, their blood sugar will go off, they'll start gaining weight around the central abdomen, but that's much more amplified in PCOS with the underlying hormone imbalance already. Um, in terms of the thyroid, um, stress affects the conversion um, of, of your T4 to T3, which means how active the thyroid hormones are. So your blood work may look normal, but you have a lot of thyroid symptoms like um, weight gain, feeling tired, um, feeling cold, hair loss, those types of things, and it may not be caught unless somebody actually does a full thyroid panel on you. And um, another part is that um, when you're under a prolonged period of stress, a hormone, an adrenal hormone called DHEA will also be, be higher. And in a lot of women with PCOS, DHEA is already elevated, and if you increase that further, you end up with more of this adrenal androgen. Because it's an androgen, it has testosterone-like activity on the body, so that will worsen the symptoms like um, like acne or um, hair growth on the face or hair loss on the head. It um, it means that you know a woman with PCOS is more sensitive to that hormonal shift. Mm. Yeah, and um, I think that studies have shown, and this is something that I was looking into. Uh, during Peace with Awareness Month, I kind of put out a, a great kind of tip every day. And looking at stress, there's some um, interesting studies that show that women with PCOS already have elevated levels of cortisol over their, you know, compared to their non-PCOS counterparts um, in the study. And so we're already dealing with high levels um, of cortisol. But then, you know, adding sort of the daily stressors that's increasing the the cortisol even more and kind of adding to, uh, I, I like to call it sort of the, the perfect storm um, mm. for women with PCOS, the, the low progesterone, the elevated DHEA, the um, disruption in thyroid function. Mm. Um, so it, it really does lead to a lot of PCOS um, symptoms becoming worse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I consider stress just as important as diet and exercise in the management of mm-hmm. PCOS. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a piece that has to be addressed because unless you do, you can't get the hormones in check. Um, and as a naturopath, I don't put women on birth control to manage their symptoms. I'm looking at, you know, how can we do this with diet and lifestyle, which is actually possible. So, you know, with, with um, you know, an improved diet, with regular exercise, and stress management is, is you know, the third leg of that stool, absolutely. So let, let's talk about sources of stress. Um, you know, I think when we think of stress, it's the, um, you know, crazy work schedules or trying to balance kind of the home family life I mean that's um, with work I mean that's definitely for me one of my biggest stressors but it isn't all kind of that mental emotional stress Um, tell us what other stressors really impact our PCOS 
Yeah, so um, basically there are a lot of things that can raise your stress hormones. And yes, like you described, the the high-paced life and the not enough breaks in the day and um, balancing work life is a huge one. But other sources of stress are anything that causes inflammation in the body. So any chronic health issue like um, like an autoimmune thyroid condition or rheumatoid arthritis or an injury um, is a huge stress on the body. Um, lack of sleep, people often miss that one, puts um, puts yeah. your stress hormones into overdrive. So when um, when we sleep, um, especially when the sleep hours get less than the, less than six per night, your body's alarm bells go on and your blood sugar regulation goes off. So it, it greatly reduces insulin sensitivity. And the other one that I often address is um, is over exercising. Um, so when let's say your baseline level of stress is already fairly high and then you decide that you're going to go to the gym full out and do boot camps and spin classes and boxing and really high-intensity exercise. And what people forget is that that's also a stress on the body. If your baseline level of stress is fairly low, that form of exercise can be fantastic and you'll get great results. But I find that a lot of my patients who go too hard too fast end up getting um, results that they're not looking for, meaning they're not losing weight or they might be gaining weight, they're feeling more right. tired, they're not gaining muscle tone. <laughs> it mm-hmm. um, can be really discouraging. So exercise that's in proportion to your hormone balance and your stress levels is really important as well. So, Shauna, can you tell us what types of exercises you think would be optimal for women uh, with PCOS who really are feeling under stress and they know that they're kind of stressed out? So they probably shouldn't be running marathons, I'm taking it. That's right. So the key is to avoid exercises that will be compounding the stress, um, so things like boot camps and high long-distance running and boxing classes and that type of thing. But there are better exercise programs for you. Um, generally, when somebody's under a, a lot of stress, I recommend that their workouts are no more than 40 minutes of cardio. Um, things like um, yoga and Pilates, um, you know, can be at a fairly vigorous pace, are fantastic forms of exercise because they build in breathing and relaxation, which is great for the stress hormones. And then walking um, is is always fantastic to maintain fitness without putting additional stress on the body, um, possibly with some, you know, some in high-intensity intervals thrown in. It really depends on the level of stress as to whether I would recommend that mm-hmm. or not. Um, so it is really important to stay active because that helps to lower stress but not to overdo it at the gym. Yeah. Well, I have to tell everybody about an exercise uh, that I've discovered in the last six months or so. Um, I, my husband and kids gave me a membership to Pure Bar. It's a ballet bar kind of workout place uh, for Mother's Day. So I've been doing this for a while now, and I'm um, working my way up to 100 classes. But Amazing. what I really love about uh, Pure Bar is that you get um, definitely get a little bit of a cardio workout. You know, my, my heart rate is going up and down during class. But it's strength building based on your own body weight. Um, you, know, you use some, some small weights are optional in class, um, but you're really working with your own um, body weight doing these kind of small isometric movements. And there's really a, like a nice mind-body connection, almost like, like yoga. And it's just fun. The music's fun. And for me, I just can go there and uh, just kind of veg out for an hour and then get a great workout. So, and, I, and I know it's not elevating my cortisol, so it really works for me. 
I think that sounds fantastic. I mean, the key is how do you feel at the end of it and how how is your hormone balance while you're following this type of a workout plan. And for everyone, that is a bit different. So I do have some patients with PCOS who seem to need a whole lot of cardio. Um, You know, I wouldn't go as far as marathons, but more than the average person. And again, we have to balance that out depending on the stress as well. Mm. Yeah, so I think that is important. I mean, the, the type of exercise that you select for yourself can um, can really help your PCOS symptoms, or mm-hmm. they can, you know, make them worse. Mm-hmm. So it's something to to certainly think about. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about adrenal fatigue. I think it's a, a um, something that we're hearing more of especially online, um, but we may not be hearing about it at the doctor's office. Or if we ask our doctor, which I did one time, you know, I think I have adrenal fatigue. Can you tell me about that? And he was like, what? You know, I don't I don't really believe in a, a adrenal fatigue. So what's kind of going on there with um, that the, the lack of knowledge in maybe mainstream medical community about adrenal fatigue? Is it really something that we should be concerned about? Can you speak to that? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's something that I treat and talk about a lot, and I get the same response from people's doctors, people's regular doctors all the time. So um, it's different, different training and different different things that we're looking for. So a medical doctor, when they think of adrenal glands, is looking for um, you know an acute disease um, you know with the adrenal glands, something like Cushing syndrome, where um, your cortisol is too high, or Addison's disease, where your cortisol is too low, and they don't really care what's happening in between. Meaning, you know, you're not going to die from it. As a naturopath, um, what we're looking at is how are your adrenal glands functioning in response to stress. Um, there are ways of measuring your cortisol levels in a functional range. Meaning, are your is your is your adrenal um, system producing too much cortisol and other stress hormones or not enough in response to stress? And, you know, adrenal fatigue means that your adrenal glands are underactive, which happens after a prolonged period of high stress. So prolonged period of high stress, that varies how long that will be from person to person. Um, I have some patients who've been under high stress their whole life and still run on high cortisol, and I'm not sure how that happens. Um, and others where they go through a three-year really intense you know, work period or or personal changes, and their adrenal glands just um, just crash afterwards. So, you know, symptoms of of adrenal fatigue. Um, the main one is poor tolerance to stress, meaning that everyday stressors become overwhelming. Um, so, you know, feeling unrested after sleeping. Um, there might be some depression or feeling low. Um, it could be, you know, more colds or flus, symptoms of low thyroid, um, feeling dizzy or lightheaded when you stand up too quickly. Those would be some of the, the classic signs. Um, but keep in mind, sometimes the signs of the adrenals being on overdrive look quite the same. The poor tolerance for stress and fatigue mm-hmm. go both ways. So it is important to test um, because you can do a lot of harm by assuming you're in adrenal fatigue when you're not and then trying to bump up the adrenals. You'll feel much, much worse for it and your hormones will feel much more out of balance as well. So I do recommend testing before treating. There there are exceptions. I mean, there are excellent um, supplements, with a, what I consider adaptogens, which help your body to adapt to stress. And usually with those, you can't, you won't do any harm no matter where your adrenal pattern is at and they're quite safe. Um, but if we're actually looking at repairing and rebuilding the adrenal system, we want to be sure that we're working in the right direction. 
So can you tell us a little bit about the testing um, for somebody that's interested in getting their adrenals tested? You know, what would they ask for? So usually the way we test the adrenal system is with a saliva panel rather than blood work. Um, and with a saliva panel, you can map out the cortisol rhythm, which is, you know, your cortisol pattern through the morning, daytime, afternoon, and, and before bedtime, which should have a pattern of being high in the morning, come down the daytime, and dropping really low at night. That rhythm is just as important as the absolute level of cortisol as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we do saliva rather than blood is, number one, going to a blood lab four times in the day is not very practical. But number two, the saliva levels tend to be better at marking out this functional range because they're giving you tissue level of hormone, the amount of hormone every cell in your body is exposed to, not just um, the blood levels that can fluctuate even on the hour. So that's typically how I would test. Occasionally I will do just a one-point morning cortisol blood test, um, especially if there's a budget concern with a patient, because we can get a ballpark of is the adrenal system in overdrive or under-functioning. But it usually does come back within the normal reference range. I'm just looking at is it running on the high or the low side. Saliva panel is a lot more accurate. So somebody could actually have kind of a reverse curve then um, where – it's their cortisol is really low in the morning, it's hard to get out of bed, um, and then elevated in the evening when it should be low, and then it's hard to settle down. You have kind of like that tired but wired feeling, is what I call it. Yeah, that does happen fairly often. Um, one of the most common scenarios that I see that is postpartum, um, where I think our bodies ha- naturally raise our cortisol in the night to watch our babies. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes if you have a baby who's a very poor sleeper for a prolonged period of time, your own cortisol rhythm doesn't go back to normal again very easily on its own. So I'll see that pattern stay for two or three years after having a baby where a woman just doesn't sleep very well. It also happens with menopause or perimenopause changes um, or somebody who's naturally a night owl or is taking a night course. That's another classic example where they're turning their brain on at a time where their body should be winding down. Mm. I think that's why shift work is so difficult for so many women. Yeah, shift work is really hard to maintain hormone balance. Um, I would expect that would be very difficult for a woman with PCOS because we've got so many stressors on the hormone regulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so now that we know how to discover whether we're having adrenal issues, um, what are some things that you tell your patients or to help them you know, manage and keep their adrenals healthy and their, their adrenal system healthy? Well, the first thing we look at is, um, you know, how is somebody going through their day and what kind of pace is their life and is there any downtime? So um, one of the best ways to help to manage the adrenal system is actually just taking small breaks through your day. So if we look at the nervous system as being two parts, the sympathetic nervous system, which is going and doing, and the parasympathetic nervous system, which is relaxing and digesting, we're meant to have a rhythm with these two systems where the going and doing sympathetic system goes on for two to three hours, and then the parasympathetic nervous system of relaxing and digesting is meant to take over for 20 to 30 minutes. So if we go, 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 go without a break for too many hours, which most of us do, um, our stress hormones build, and we end up Mm. with a more overwhelmed feeling at the end of the day. So one of the simplest tools to manage stress is to just build in some regular breaks. And I usually have people set alarms on their phone or their computer to remind them. And the break doesn't have to be a half hour. It could be five or ten minutes of 
you know, of breathing, getting a breath of fresh air, um, a walk around the block, a cup of tea, socializing, just standing up and moving around. Um, it helps to discharge the stress hormones so that they're not climbing and building through the day. So that's one, you know, really simple way of helping to lower the stress hormones through the day. Um, of course, exercise, fantastic. Um, asking for help, staying active. Um, and then uh, the other part of this is looking for a looking at a regular practice to um, to activate the relaxation response because there have been many 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 studies now that show that practicing something that puts you into what they call the relaxation response for 15 to 20 minutes a day can have a profound effect on how you manage stress through the rest of the day. And that could be, um, it can be active or it can be passive. It could be meditation. It could be a guided meditation. Um, it could be a gentle yoga practice. It could be breathing exercises. Um, another favorite I have is a, a gratitude journal. Um, so just, you know, helping to shift the, the you know, the thought pathways. Um, uh, you know, looking at heart rate variability, which I think you've already discussed before in another podcast. Um, so there's a lot of tools to access there. And the thing to remember is it doesn't have to be sitting still and breathing. Um, some people are more anxious when they do that and are better to be actively relaxing. Yeah, something that I have, uh, and I put it away when guests come over, but it's in the, kind of like in the corner of my living room, is a rebounder, one of those little mini right. trampolines with the handle on it. And and I work from home, and, and so I try to work in these breaks. It's and I do have to set an alarm to kind of remind me to step away from the computer, but I'll go and I'll jump on that rebounder for five Fantastic. minutes. And That's great. Yeah, it really is a great way to, to um, discharge. And the other thing that I love is I call it a detox bath. Mm-hmm. And if I'm having a tough day and feeling really stressed out, the the way that I, and I think women with PCOS tend to, I, I, I re- relate it to my kids, like my computer is on the fritz and I need to reboot it so yeah. that it kind of comes back. Well, I think a lot of us are on the fritz and we need to a reboot. And taking a detox bath does that for me. So I put two cups of Epsom salt, a cup of um, baking soda, some um, essential oils like lavender and um, clary sage, um, maybe some rose oil, and I'll just soak in there for 30 minutes, and I'm like a new person when I come oh, out. I think the mag, yeah, the magnesium <laughs> helps, and oh, yeah. the just, it, um, and I can lock the door. Nobody, <laughs> nobody can bother me for 30 minutes. Oh, that's uh, a put on some, idea. Yeah, yeah, quiet yeah. music, and it's it's a great way to to unwind at the end of the day. Yeah, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the other the other part of managing stress, I think, is is um, uh, which I know a lot of my patients with PCOS have issues with is, is like just basic self acceptance. So you know, looking at mm-hmm. you know how to you know get it back in touch and you know and you know appreciate appreciate your body and your hormones and all of those things a little bit better. Um, there was a there's something I posted on my Facebook account last week, and it's a little excerpt from a. Um, from a poem, and it got such a huge response. So it's from a poem called Three by, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Naira Wahid. And, you know, the middle of the poem says, And I said to my body softly, I want to be your friend. It took a long breath and replied, I've been waiting my whole life for this. 
Oh, gosh, that's beautiful. I'm going to have to go look and share that uh, on PCOS Diva. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I, the whole poem is lovely as well, but that middle excerpt, like, we, <laughs> it rang true with so many people. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this is a huge piece of our stress. Um, you know, never mind the holidays and the, the family and all of that, is if we have more, like, grounding within ourselves, um, which I know is more difficult when the hormones are out of balance, <laughs> um, it can change things profoundly. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I think talking about, like, stress and kind of being out of balance, um, we're coming up on the holidays uh, when this podcast goes out it'll be you know in mid mid November and if our lives aren't already stressed you know adding that whole holiday season I think yeah. can really exacerbate the situation so can you give a you know we've you've given us some wonderful tips the the meditation taking breaks um self acceptance anything else that well, you mentioned the adaptogen, like herbal formula. Um, adaptogen. Maybe you could talk about those adaptogen herbs, and would something like that be helpful to kind of get us through the yeah. holidays? Yeah, I do often recommend things like that proactively, like when you know you're going into a period of high stress, because it can help to protect your hormone balance. So um, why wait until you're already overboard? <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, adaptogen herbs can be things like, well, if you tend to be on overdrive and always running, um, rhodiola is one of my favorite there. Um, mm-hmm. There's just one caution if there's any tendency for bipolar disorder, that's not a great one. Um, other favorites are um, the lactium extract. So it's um, it's a dairy pe- uh, from a dairy peptide, and it actually lowers stress from the brain receptor level. That one's fantastic. Um, and... Uh, other support could be um, ashwagandha, that's very calming, um, passion flower if there's a tendency for anxiety. There's great combinations with these things. And again, the point of, of taking something like that proactively is to protect your hormonal system so that the period of high stress doesn't cause your periods to go out of balance and your PMS to get worse and your skin to break out and all of that. Yeah, and you you mentioned anxiety. Maybe um, we have a couple more minutes left. Could could you talk about the connection between PCOS and anxiety? Uh, I know so many of us struggle with it. I I find that um, there's a big connection there, and there's there's several reasons. Number one is the the issues with regulating blood sugar and insulin. So when someone has more difficulty regulating their blood sugar and insulin, they're on more of a roller coaster with their blood sugar levels, and drops in blood sugar can definitely create more feelings of anxiety, um, which usually comes with feelings of hunger or needing to overeat or um, or feeling like compulsive uh, feeling like compulsively eating as well. Um, another part of the anxiety piece is the fact that women with PCOS tend to already have elevated stress hormones, like you mentioned before. So if your cortisol and your DHEA levels are already a little bit elevated, it's harder to manage the day-to-day stressors, um, which basically means having some of these great self-care things in place is, is even more important. And the third piece that I'm just going to touch on a little bit is 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 has more to do with like personal genetics, um, which I look at a lot these days because we can learn a lot about people's susceptibilities. And there's um 
there's an enzyme that's called COMPT, which, um, which is something I test for when I'm looking at what are called methylation cycles. And COMPT is an enzyme that breaks down your um, what are called catecholamines, like dopamine, norepinephrine, adrenaline. And there's a fairly large portion of the population that have um, have a defect in this enzyme. Um, so it's inherited by through your parents. And what it means is that they have a much harder time breaking down their, those stress hormones. So they tend to be much more prone to anxiety and worrying. But the part that's re- relevant for PCOS is that this enzyme also is really important for breaking down estrogen. And because most women with PCOS are in more of an estrogen-dominant state, the imbalance in the stress hormones is more exaggerated. Um, So I find that that's just helpful um, because we know that these women who have struggles with estrogen dominance and breaking down their stress hormones need to build more tools into their life to manage stress, but it also tends to be really helpful in the self-acceptance sphere of learning, well, why do I have such a hard time with stress and why is it so much harder for me than somebody else? I've, you know, I found personally learning about my own genetics extremely helpful in that frame of knowing that, you know, I didn't mess myself up. It wasn't that, you know, I didn't eat well enough or do this as a child. It's just these are the genes I was dealt and you learn how to manage them better. So, um, you know, the genes give us a lot of information about people's susceptibilities and it is something that I find really helpful in my practice. Um, in, you know, looking at how much we need to focus on the stress to get the PCOS hormones in balance with these women. Yeah, and I think that is true. That knowledge really is power. That mm-hmm. that the more that you learn about this um, syndrome, the the more I think you come to that place of not feeling so out of control and right. empowered. And and you can come ultimately. Yeah, I think you go through the the um, Elizabeth Kubler Ross's you know five stages of grief when you get your PCOS diagnosis. Oh, of but hopefully. You can come to a place of acceptance, and there was an interesting study. I know I don't know if you saw saw it. It came out last week, and it sort of there was an animal study that shed a little light on the link between PCOS and anxiety. They um, looked at uh, I think it was they were looking at rats, but um, they found that if the the baby was born with from a mother that had high doses of testosterone um, late in the pregnancy, they were more likely to demonstrate anxiety-like behaviors into adulthood compared to offspring that weren't exposed to high doses of testosterone. So I think that's just another, like, piece of information Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're wired the way you are, and it really doesn't, it has nothing to do with something that you did wrong. You're right. No, again, I, I, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've had in my office who just, you know, break down in tears when they actually understand. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. that I fixed anything. It's just that they understand that, you know, there's a reason that they feel like they feel, and there are some tools that we can look at to deal with it better. And again, that's that is empowering people to to learn how to take care of their health for the long run, rather than you know feeling out of control that you know my hormones are out of balance and I feel you know. I'm moody all the time, and I don't know when my period's coming, and the anxiety, and you know, the more understanding we have of the mechanisms, which can go on so many different levels, um, the more uh, we understand how to, you know, what we need to do to cope better. And we all have our own twer- our own quirks. <laughs> Nobody's immune to this. <laughs> right. No, you're absolutely right. You know, everybody has their own, um, as my mother would say, cross to bear. But it's really how. Uh, 
um, you know, we our attitude and the way that we approach it makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, thank you for taking the time to kind of explain this stress connection with PCOS and giving us some some really nice takeaways that we can apply to our lives and, and hopefully, you know, get through the holidays um, without uh, putting ourselves into adrenal fatigue <laughs> yeah. by January 1st. Yeah, I mean, the key is be proactive and, you know, make sure you stay active, um, take your breaks, take care of your own needs in the midst of it all, and maybe take some adaptogens to help. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us, Shauna, if somebody wanted to work with you, um, you know, I, I think I failed to mention that you're in Toronto, but um, tell us more about, you know, what you offer at um on your website and and how to reach you. Sure. So, yeah, I have a private practice in Toronto in Canada, and um, so I see patients on a one-on-one basis there. Um, in terms of people who are out of town, currently the best way to um, to learn more about my work or to learn more from me would be to uh, visit the website, which is called DaruWellness.com, um, and Daru is D-A-R-O-U, and uh, or uh, follow my newsletters. I'm a a very prolific writer, so there's lots of blogging going on. Um, we're working on some um, some uh, online courses and seminars, so that would be more accessible to people out of town. They're not quite up and running yet, um, but we do have uh, we do have lots of resources online at this point. Great. So I will definitely put that information below the podcast, and uh, I'm going to check out your Facebook page and share that really great quote. Um, mm-hmm. We get yep. off the, the call, but thank you again for for coming on and joining us, and and thank you everyone for listening. And I look forward to being with you again next time. Mm-hmm.